Whitelist.io. Good afternoon and welcome to the Right Fit Podcast. I'm Daryl Jacobs, your host. Join me every Friday with guests who are decision makers in both collegiate athletics and professional sports. But joining me today is the Vice President for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion for the Denver Broncos, Dr. China Jew. China, welcome to the show. Hi, Daryl. How are you? I'm good, China. Thank you for taking the time. But before we get started with the Q&A, China, briefly tell everyone about your journey into sports, collegiate athletics, and now professional sports, particularly the NFL. Oh, well, that was an interesting journey because I didn't take that journey um, in a traditional way. So thank you very much for inviting me to speak to you. I was a Division One volleyball player and had the opportunity to work in radio and television. That was my major broadcast journalism, and I knew I wanted to work uh, in the sports in the sports world when I uh, majored in that. Uh, so I did that for about five years, and, and then after that, started working in community and social services. But while I was doing that, I was still engaged in some aspect of sports, whether I was still playing volleyball or helping out in the parks and recreation um, departments in my hometown. So that led to me returning back to get my master's degree and um, for a graduate assistantship, I worked for the uh, senior bowl as a marketing assistant. And then that moved me to some other administrative positions and then college coaching. I started getting involved in college coaching because I was coaching as a club coach and college coaching um, opportunity was offered to me. And then that led to administration. And then uh, I knew that football was something that I loved so much. So I took a, a major chance on myself by leaving um, an assistant vice president for athletics position when I was at Queens College. Left that after seven years, went to University of Wyoming because I wanted to have that football experience and stay there for three years. And uh, fortunately, uh, there's a turn of the climate, unfortunately, in some cases with the travesty of George Floyd, but fortunately, for us who are passionate about diversity, equity, inclusion. And so um, I saw this opportunity for the Broncos and um, I was offered the position. So here I am. Well, we'll talk a little bit about diversity, equity, inclusion as we go through the interview uh, process. As you know, the name of the show is The Right Fit. Now, very interesting how you got to the Denver Broncos. Talk about that process, because I think that process kind of encapsulates what the show is about in regards to you being hired at the Denver Broncos. Talk a little bit about that process so everyone can get an idea um, how they selected you and how you came about um, this opportunity. Yeah, it was it was pretty interesting because I, I kind of stumbled on this um, job description, if you will, and it was placed on um, a social media site, a professional social media site, and um, a search firm was overseeing that process. And it was a search firm that I was not um, familiar with. So it was a firm that was not in the intercollegiate space. And so I sent an email just to kind of ask them some questions in regards to some videos that they were putting out. And so we had some conversations about some DEI videos that they were producing and that led to a conversation about this vacancy 
uh, or the job description that was posted. And then I just kind of <laughs> walked away from the conversation. And I was, I was good with getting the information about the videos that they were putting out. But then I wind up uh, getting an email from one of the search firm reps asking me if this was a position that I would be interested in because I, I guess he looked me up, researched me a little bit and thought that uh, I would be an idea candidate to um, for, for the Broncos to consider. And so um, with, with that one email he sent to ask if that was something I was interested in, in uh, exploring, I applied and, and went through the process. I think I went through four uh, interview stages, um, and um, I'm really fortunate that uh, I came out on, on top for this position. Well, talk a little bit about prior to, we want to get into your career in collegiate athletics, particularly serving in a lot of different capacity, but um, the two stops you were at as athletic director in regards to your career, um, Cheney University, which is an HBCU in Clark Atlanta, excuse me, Queens College, <laughs> <laughs> Queens College, which is one of the largest division twos in the country. Um, talk about when you was in that leadership position in terms of selecting a coach, you know, as well as potentially selecting an administrator as well for a particular position within your department. You mean the process or that's right the process yeah well you know it's it's kind of interesting because of how i handled both cheney and queen's college in the process of selecting coaches and cheney university also had football too so i have to be really mindful of that i wanted to have the opportunity to cast the net out extremely wide um you know typically athletic directors would already have a person in mind and, and, and that's understandable. Um, however, because I was still learning and growing in the department and the universities that I was working at, I thought it was important to utilize all of the resources that I had around me, whether it was through recommendations or just the job postings or going into environments that maybe I wasn't familiar with. And to cast that net out wide, and to make sure that before I evaluate individuals, I would already have discussions with my campus community, whether internally or externally, on the type of candidate that we were looking for. And then I wanted to be a little bit more intentional in terms of how we're selecting. Many times when it comes to selecting successful candidates, it's extremely subjective and it could be the likability factor. Well, I knew that there were some technical skills that were required, as I call my deal breakers. And then there were some preferred skills that I thought it was important, you know, to meet the needs of the, of the department and the university. But then there were some interpersonal skills. And how do we find, quote, the right fit, i.e. your podcast, uh, to make sure that the individuals who were bringing in, who, who had similar values, um, who had the same passion, who wanted to be an educator for our young people, you know, individuals who are willing to be open-minded uh, when it comes to new strategies. I thought all of that was important. So I was pretty thorough, and I have to admit, between um, both of the universities I worked at, I've had about 15 coaches of the years, 
And so it really spoke volumes of not only our process of identifying individuals, but those particular individuals who are representing the universities that uh, I was working at, that they were committed to success and helping to mold our young people. You served as president of MOA, which is the Minority Opportunity Athletic Association from 2019 to 2021. Talk a little bit about that organization and the impact it's having and pertain, as it pertains to the job market, whether it's collegiate athletics or professional sports. Yes, MOA um, has been in existence for about 21 years. And I, you know, I call myself the pandemic president. I served uh, during that time and I was affiliated and I'm still affiliated and still a member um, of the organization for 15 years. But this is an organization that represents all three NCAA divisions plus the NAIA in the junior college space and helping to um, guide and support athletic administrators of color as well as uh, providing a resource to advocates of um, ethnic minorities in this intercollegiate athletic space. So whether we are creating educational programs or influencing policies or um, making sure that we are the voice of the underrepresented, it's really important for us to understand that our ultimate mission and goal is to, uh, to help guide in the recruitment, retention, and advancement of ethnic minorities in that space. I'm very proud of the uh, time that I have spent serving in a leadership role for MOA, we have tapped into many spaces uh, on the intercollegiate as well as now the national level under my, my tenure. And um, I, I truly believe that we're going to continue to grow because the goal is to be the premier organization in the intercollegiate space, speaking about many issues uh, when, it, when it comes to supporting ethnic minorities. Majority of your career, I'm going to ask this question before we go to commercial break, and then we'll come back and talk about some DEI um, issues and, and things of that nature. Talk about some of the things, um, and I like to talk about trends a little bit in regards to, and you, you have the fortune of being now in professional sports with a professional sports organization, as well as being mostly in collegiate athletic your career. Talk about those trends you may be seeing um, that cross-sects both collegiate athletics and professional sports? Yeah, there's some, you know, it's interesting that you asked that question because that's one of the things I spoke about in my interview and to really be able to convey that although I was not birthed in the professional space, there's a lot of synergy between the, the, the two levels. And so when we are recruiting and of course signing players to represent us, you know, some of the same um, departments and areas and support services on the intercollegiate space is the same thing here in professional. We still have mental health specialists, we still have sports medicine strength coaches, we have a training table, we have character development programs. Um, we, we, we do a lot of things. We do a lot of things, you know, that the collegiate space offers. Um, but within that, we have to understand that 
you know, these are still developing players. They're just older developing players. Now you're talking about um, higher incomes. You're talking about players who are a little bit more in the public eye. So um, it's about how they um, portray themselves in front of the camera and to make sure that they still have the opportunity to speak their truth and be their authentic self while they're representing um, our club or whatever club they're played for. So I know that in the DNI space that I'm in, you know, my job is to continue to support them and whatever that they're passionate about throughout the process. So there's there's just so many commonalities that really, for the most part, it's just looking at a mirror. And I really get a kick out of when I first started here and I came from the University of Wyoming, that I saw some Wyoming players. It was some Wyoming players who were, um, who were here, who are here. They're no longer here now, but when I arrived, and they were Wyoming players when I was at Wyoming. So that was pretty neat to have that opportunity to, to know these young people and to see how they had developed uh, throughout their transition from the college to the club space. Well, China, I'm enjoying this conversation, but got to pay some bills a little bit. Uh, we'll come back and we'll get into talking about the DEI component as well, how it intersects with both being the right fit in the right place at the right time. Um, you're listening and watching The Right Fit with Daryl Jacobs, your host. The Right Fit podcast is brought to you by Rising Coaches Search and Consulting. Tired of spending what seems like all of your time and budget filling coaching vacancies? Let Rising Coaches Search and Consulting handle your next coaching search. Our process is simple. We identify, vet, and recruit a talented and diverse group of professionals that fits your institution's profile. All for a low price that we guarantee will beat our competitions. Plus, all of your searches will be handled by former coaches, meaning we will get the best possible insight on all of your candidates, and you'll get the perspective that only a former coach could provide. For testimonials, a full client list, or more information, please visit risingcoaches.com. Welcome back to The Right Fit. I'm Daryl Jacobs, your host. I'm here with today's guest, Dr. China Jude, Vice President of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion for the Denver Broncos. And we're talking about the hiring process in both collegiate athletics and professional sports, particularly NFL. She's going to give us some insight. Let's talk a little bit about the DNI part. I was waiting for this last because we're both serving in that capacity, of course, with Rising Coaches. I'm Executive Director. And of course, with the Denver Broncos, you're the Vice President. Let's talk a little bit about in terms of not only the right fit but opportunities because sometimes you know uh being a minority you you know you may be the right fit but it was all about now getting the opportunity so talk a little bit about um some of the things that might be going on in nfl some of the things you've done in collegiate athletics to bring about diversity equity and inclusion yeah well first of all i want to congratulate you for your role with rising coaches and, and all the uh, initiatives and programming that you're doing because because it's greatly needed. However, it's um, extremely disappointing that we do need to have this. I always tell people that my goal is to try to work myself out of a job. 
because uh, diversity, equity, inclusion should be intergrained or interwoven into all aspects of the organization and it shouldn't be one person overseeing it. Everyone should have a full commitment to it and to, to be able to hold themselves accountable. But um, these are some of the things that we're talking about currently um, with my counterparts. There are 32 NFL teams. Uh, when I arrived here uh, in April of 21, there were six of us in the DNI space of the six, four of us who are working in DNI on a full-time basis. Now here we are in um, approaching February and now we're at 14. So we are growing. We are growing now. There are some dual responsibilities for some of these individuals. They may be attorney slash DNI or football affairs slash DNI or HR slash DNI, but it doesn't matter because I, I one of the things I do appreciate is that um, each one of us come with different experiences and those different experiences are greatly needed as we are uh, addressing many issues, whether it's the ruling rule that the league office um, has um, put on us, a charge with us and making sure that we are interviewing at least two ethnically diverse candidates. Um, and then there's some particular levels that um, that are required, whether it's a coach versus a GM versus um, an administrative or managerial role. So there's some variances in terms of what that looks like. But for the most part, the ruling rule is to make sure that we are uh, uh, considering ethnically diverse candidates as well as uh, women, because this is a male-dominated sport. We want to make sure that there's some educational components so we connect with RISE. And RISE is a, a really big uh, organization that, that helps supplement our educational programming uh, so we can have some consistency in, in terms of common language and even some strategies we can take into consideration when it comes to addressing not only hiring, but when you hire people, we have to make sure that we're creating safe spaces for them to continue to show their authentic self. And then how do we continue to engage the community? How do, how do we make sure that um, those um, external stakeholders, whether it's our fan base, our corporate partners, non-for-profit organizations, um, you know, the everyday person, um, how, do they, how do they identify with us or how do we identify ourselves and how do they embrace us? Uh, to make sure that we are playing a major part in our communities and to show that we are dedicated, we're invested, passionate about diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I kind of see, you know, the, the DNI, um, you know, stands for something. You know, diversity is kind of the, the what, meaning um, that no matter where you go, whether you're in the South or on your West Coast or on the East Coast, the what, what, what makes something diverse, whether it's a, a all male-dominated environment, you need more women. If it's all uh, white people, you need more ethnic uh, diversity. If, if it's all uh, those who are disabled or uh, those are able-bodied, maybe you want to diversify with some people with disabilities, whether 
uh, physical or hidden disabilities. So that's the diversity. The equity is the how. You know, how do we create fair treatment of when we are not only identifying people, but how are we reaching out to them and making sure that they're being treated fair in an equitable fashion? And then inclusion is, why is this important? Why is it important for us to include people who do not look or think like us? So, um, you know, whether it's financial, whether it's through uh, social justice, or it's just the right thing to do, we have to evaluate that them on that. And then I'm going to add the B for belonging. Although belonging isn't something that we totally control, we can ask questions about the D, the E, and the I. But the return on investment is the, the, the impact, and that's the who, you know. Who does this impact when we are creating these D and I strategies? Often, when I talk to people about D and I, and and I echo those same things, and you know, within that, I always talk about mobility because sometimes you can get the opportunity and be stagnant. Sometimes you don't have the fair chance to be able to be mobile within uh, within the organization or be able to move up as well. So I always tell people. Um, don't forget that piece as well. And a lot of people don't think about that. I say, yes, some can get the opportunity, but if there's a lack of mobility, then they're just going to be stagnant. And of course, we we want the opportunity as minorities and women and LBGTQ want those opportunities to be able to be mobile within those organizations um, as well. You talked about when you first came into the Denver Broncos in this particular space, there was only six of you. Now it's 14. Um, people and that pretty much says a lot about in terms of what direction the NFL is going in and how DNI wasn't so important, obviously prior to you know as well. Is there anything that you guys are doing um, within all of those who are in the DNI space? Is there a um, headquarters at headquarters? Is there someone in particular that actually implements DNI strategy, or is this something that you guys as a collective body? Um, try to implement within each of the organizations? Yeah, so Jonathan Bean, who's the Senior Vice President of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, is our primary contact. He's kind of our leader within the DNI space in the league office. And he has really been um, making sure, you know, I kind of say this DNI uh, world that we're living in currently right now is like building an airplane while it's flying in the air. And fortunately, Jonathan Bean is our pilot right now, and he's he's keeping us steady. Um, he's providing us with the proper uh, resources, uh, providing um, education, introducing us to um, staff members in the league to let them know, uh, let us know, hey, here's some resources you might want to take into consideration uh, in your programming at your clubs. Uh, he has a great staff. We meet on a monthly basis to um, brainstorm, to troubleshoot um, some things. One of the things that we did on our last call is we celebrated uh, some of the DNI reps who are part of uh, some of the searches of the GM and the head coach searches at their respective clubs. And that is huge that when you can get a DNI staff member on the search committee or who's a part of the search process, because although we respect that we're here to win games and championships, 
but we also are making sure that whoever we bring in these particular leadership roles, that they understand culture and climate. And that's one of the things that we do as DNI specialists that we want to continue to create an inclusive culture. We want to make sure that there are safe spaces. And so to uh, have DNI reps as a part of many of the search processes, especially in the, the high leadership, executive leadership positions, such as GM and head coaches, that can really speak well. So, so Jonathan and his team in the league office are doing a great job. Well, we talk about opportunities you know of course this show is called the right fit let's talk about those opportunities um you may see coming down the road of course the dni space is really being infiltrated with a lot of different titles in regards that center around dni and diversity equity, and inclusion that's amazing um to me that this wasn't at the forefront prior to um as well but let's talk about opportunities within professional sports and you have the experience to know about collegiate athletics as well. Talk about some of those job opportunities you see coming down the road, particularly for those who are listening, watching, that's trying to get into sports. As you know, everybody wants to be in pro sports, work for a professional mm -hmm. organization. And, yeah. and But talk about those opportunities you may see coming in both collegiate athletics and professional sports. Yeah, this is really encouraging because, uh, and I'll, let me go ahead and start with the, the, the collegiate side, because, you know, the, the corner did turn with a number of diversity, equity, inclusion positions created on the collegiate level. I see, you know, especially more in the P5 and the G5 spaces where they're creating those associate athletic directors of diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, I think it's greatly needed, especially in those spaces where there is not a lot of diversity. Even in 2022, I still see athletic departments where I don't see very much ethnic diversity, and I'm really um, encouraged when I see athletic directors are taking the time to um, to diversify their staff on so many different levels. Um, and it's the same way on the professional side across the board, not just the NFL. I mean, the NBA is doing it, um, National Hockey League, soccer. I mean, it's just across the board. But there's some other positions that a lot of people don't take into consideration. We have uh, data science or the analytics side. Wow, you know, I, we need more women. We need more women in the sciences. And um, although that sometimes there's this mindset that uh, you have to uh, be a, a science, you know, whiz, to, to do this, uh, you know, it's going to really vary team per team. You know, I know here specifically, we have research analysts for football, and then we have research analysts for marketing on making sure that we um, understand the analytics of our corporate sponsors and, and how do we get um, uh, great uh, partners to to engage with us. So there's a, a lot of different types of analytics we can take into consideration. Um, so the scouting side, the game side, and we just don't have a lot of women. We, we, we need as many women as possible, uh, as, and as well as ethnic minorities. Uh, mental health is another position that is greatly needed across the board, whether it's sports psychology, 
or just dealing with uh, your general mental health issues, um, there is a, sort of a shortage of that. And so um, I've noticed that there's a large population of women and ethnic minority women who are in that field. So we need some men as well who are interested in um, providing the necessary support on both levels. Uh, I'm gonna also throw in nutrition. And we have um, a lot of nutritionists are needed. I know that when I was at Wyoming, uh, I increased our nutritionists from, you know, I think it was like one person and an intern and then we finally hired two full-timers and that, that was a challenge. That was a challenge to find them because nutritionists were not in the intercollegiate space. And so now that is growing as well. And of course on the pro space is, is definitely a must, a necessity <laughs> to have. And so there, there are so many other types of positions. Anything about money, you know, revenue generation, we need more ethnic minorities involved in that. Um, because when we are reaching out to diversify uh, building relationships with external stakeholders, we need to see uh, different faces in the room. So I can pretty much go on and on on just trying to identify those individuals and finding the right fit for organizations to make sure that we provide some different experiences um, so we can grow in, in the different organizations. Now, I just need three short answers to these questions. Give me, give me, and I often ask guests this because this is important. I want you to give me three do's when interviewing and three don'ts when you're interviewing. Do number one, research. <laughs> research the position, research the company um, or, or, or school, you know, research the people that's there. That's really important. How do you know that you're the right fit if you don't know anything about the environment? Okay. Um, with that, along with that, do make sure that when creating your resume, that you're catering your resume to the job description. The manager, the hiring manager, created the job description for a reason. Now, and would that, that be number two, possibly? That's a number two, yes. That's a number two. <laughs> what a lot of people need to understand, and that's what we're doing right now, we, we have revamped all of our job descriptions. Every single search that you see put out for the Denver Broncos, I have looked at every single job description and have worked closely with the hiring manager in being intentional of the wording. So read the job description. It's there for a reason. <laughs> so research, tell your resume to the job description. And number three, right. do. Um, and the number three, let me see, what's the number three do? Um, do when, interviewing, when interviewing. Okay, we can we can focus on interviewing. Um, I I before I I came to the Broncos and I, most likely I will go and revisit that now that I had my my footing um, in this position. I used to coach people on how to interview, 
And um, these interview strategies um, is something that I've used and even used it here to get this position for the Broncos. But make sure that you do, when you're answering a question, speak about the philosophy, give an example, and then provide the outcome of that example that provides the interviewer or the committee that you're speaking to the opportunity to know you as a person, to hear about the battle scars <laughs> or success that you went through, and then to hear how you tied a bow to it on, hey, and here's the outcome or the re return on investment of this decision that has been made. So you said research, tell your resume to the job description, and do these three things. Yep. Give a philosophy, yep. provide an example, and give an outcome. The outcome of that example. Absolutely. Even if, it's, if, even if it's a, <laughs> a bad outcome. If it was something that negative, you can speak about it, the lesson learned. Like, hey, it didn't turn out well, but he was my my teachable moment. And what's the biggest question that people actually think they got to answer a certain way, but should be very honest about it? And I've heard this in a lot of interviews when people say, you know, that the interviewer is just looking for the interviewee to be transparent. It's not so much if it was a failure or whatever the case may be, but there's a particular, is there a particular question that people that's interviewer may find as a tricky question because they scared to answer it where the interviewer is just asking you to be transparent. What is your biggest weakness? Because what happens is we have a tendency of getting tripped up thinking that we, if we literally speak about our weakness that we will be eliminated. Okay. So we're not perfect. <laughs> no one is perfect. By no means. Yeah. But also search committees or interviewers will know when you are trying to spin. They'll know when you're trying to spin. And I always feel be your authentic self. You, you have no other choice but to be your authentic self because you do not want to present yourself in a false way. And then all of a sudden you're selected for the job or someone speaks about you and, you know, shines a, a totally different light but you know the most difficult um question to answer out of all of the questions are typically to tell us something about about yourself yeah right. that, that is why <laughs> described as a softball question that if you know yourself better than anyone the problem is that people have a tendency of taking too long to answer it they take too long to answer it uh, and then they ramble. Right. They ramble right. and they lose the listeners. So try to keep that within, you know, two, two and a half minutes. And don't go through a chronological order of your life because they don't, people don't want to hear that. They really don't. You can sum it up in a nice bow, years of experience. Why are you interested in this position? What skills that you bring to the table? um to to make you an idea candidate if you speak in that within two minutes then they can go ahead and, and 
start with the with the uh, other questions, but you do lose the listeners. And normally that's the first question that a lot of people don't realize can kill the interview for them. As I tell coaches that all the time, I say, you know, the soft question is going to be, you're prepping for all these hard questions, Yeah. but let's get your elevator pitch as we call it. Let's get your intro together. Cause they're going to ask you, tell us a little bit about yourself. They don't want to know about your accolades cause they already know your resume. Yeah. They wouldn't have brought you in. They want to get to know you. And a lot of times some of them really fail at that particular question, which is the softball question, as we say, but it kills the whole interview that can turn a committee off or even a search firm off from the outset um, as well. The last question, I usually do this with all my guests, Dr. Well, Jude. You, you know, you forgot the don't part. Remember? Okay. The, well, we can get don't, to the don't. We don't have to go off of the don't. <laughs> well, we can get to the don't. I figured no, you would no. you're, you're, it, you're good. You're good. <laughs> okay. I thought you wanted to get to the don'ts. I know we kind of pressed for time a little bit. So I thought that's why I said, give me three examples of the do's and don'ts short and just go to them and explain them briefly. But you can give me a don't. Give us one don't when interviewing. Um, what are the don'ts? What What are the don'ts? Uh, one don't. Interview? When you're interviewing. We're yeah. talking about interviewing. So um, don't, don't regurgitate what was on your resume. They already Very good advice. Very good advice. resume. Okay. Um, don't, well, now that we're living in the COVID world and everything is virtual, you know, uh, don't be so hard on yourself to be perfect. People are looking for authenticity. Okay. That's two. Now you might as well give the third. Okay. And the third, are we still sticking with the interview part? Yep. That's weird. That's what, this was the right fit. So I want people to know part of the question is, the do's and don'ts when interviewing, because we want to make sure we give them the, uh, provide them with the right information. So I would probably say, uh, don't be too casual. Even being at that's home, another good one. Put a suit on, and treat the interview exactly what it is. Treat it seriously. Whether it's in person, and I tell coaches this all the time, whether it's in person or Zoom, dress the part. Yes, still dress the part, e even if it's just the top part, but you still got to dress the part. Well, Dr. Jude, thank you for taking time this afternoon. And my last question is, I usually do this with all my guests. I just say a word. We call it word association. And say the word. You say what's associated, whatever comes to mind. So, um, you know, often sometimes tell guests, give me the question. Give me the word. So they say, no, just go ahead because it makes it fun as well. So I'm going to say four things. and You just say the first thing come to mind. Okay. Um, military. Navy. <laughs> Navy. You are Navy. Yep. Navy. You served in the Navy. Title nine. Uh, empowerment. Okay. And the 50th anniversary. I'm sorry. I'm supposed to say one word, but that's hard. That's hard. Alabama State. Hornets. Okay. My love. My love. Your alma mater. And Waukegan, Illinois. Um, my foundation. <laughs> okay. And a lot of people may not know who Waukegan is. It's outside of Chicago, um, you know, as well. But Dr. China Jew, thank you for joining me this afternoon. And thank all the viewers and listeners for watching it too. Join me next Friday at noon with more exciting guests in both collegiate athletics and the world of sports. Until then, please stay healthy, stay safe. See you next week.